Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Jesus tells his followers not to virtue signal. Quote, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. That's Matthew 6-2 right there. But from time.com comes an article that says, well, something different. This this article was written by Jamil Zaki and Mina Sakara who uh, back uh, in 2020 actually so it's been a, a few years ago now but Zaki is a professor of psychology at Stanford University and an author of The War for Kindness and uh, Sakara is a professor of psychology at Harvard University they say this they say the murderers of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and Rayshard Brooks offer new reminders of ongoing anti-black violence and have outraged millions. Now, (laughs) I know, I'm stopping after one sentence here of this article, but this is a terrible way to start out your article on why virtue signaling is a good thing. I mean, take George Floyd, for instance. He was not killed by police. He died of the drugs that he took. And you may say that that what was done to him was terrible, and, and you might be right. But you can't say that the arrest of George Floyd was anti-black violence. Even at Chauvin's trial, they never made the case that it was done in any way because of racism. This time, though, Calls for justice, they say, have spread further than usual around the world and across our culture. Public sentiment has changed dramatically in two weeks. American voters' support for Black Lives Matter increased as much as it did in the previous two years. And BLM is now one of the most popular political entities in the country. Okay, let's stop again. One of the reasons. I wanted to bring this article was because in in the light of time, it, it tends to show just how hollow this argument is. What we know now that we could only speculate then is that the Black Lives Matter organization was a sham and a fraud. It took in millions of dollars, capitalizing on their popularity and the kindness of others. They then use that money to buy mansions for themselves and do nothing for the cause that the money was given to them in the first place. Why were they given all of those millions of dollars? Well, because people were tricked into thinking that this was a worthy cause and they were influenced and pressured by others that were virtue signaling. Symbolic change, they say is also surging. Statues of bigots and slavers have toppled in Antwerp and Virginia. 
NASCAR banned Confederate flags and Paramount abruptly canceled the television show Cops after 32 seasons. Virtually every major company has released statements on anti-racism and events like hashtag Blackout Tuesday own the social media landscape. Okay, again, they are not helping their cause out here. (laughs) I mean, they're really not. Destroying statues and markers of history is not a good look. Some of these statues were of flawed men, of course. But does that mean that they are not a part of our history? It is the same argument that liberals make when it comes to, well, like Christopher Columbus. They say that since he was not a perfect man, that we should not celebrate him as the person who discovered our continent. But if we have a a standard of only celebrating perfect people, then the only statues or holidays that we would have in in this country would be Christmas and Easter, right? And and during the BLM riots, the protesters burned and toppled a a statue of an elk. Yes, an elk in, in downtown Portland, Oregon. How was that symbolic change? And another example they give here is Paramount canceling the TV show Cops. How was that helpful to stem racism? Cops was a show where they followed real police officers around and filmed what happened. That was it. But because liberal leftists want to do away with our law enforcement system, this was seen as a great win by them. Wow, we canceled Cops. They go on to say, some of these displays seem authentic. Others ring hollow. Considered companies that tweet out Black Lives Matter, but have 100% white corporate leadership. Instagram influencers who treat protesters like uh, Coachella Part 17, or the NFL commissioner who released a statement condemning racism, but did not name Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback banned by the, the league for peacefully protesting that same issue. These token gestures smack of hypocrisy and cynicism in a moment that requires moral clarity. Okay, okay. Let's address these examples in in front of us, all right? Yes, I agree that many corporations virtue signal with, with things like plastering Black Lives Matter on everything. But to say that they should fire company leadership because they are the wrong skin color is just flat out racism in itself. This goes to the equity equality type argument. If 13.6% of the company's leadership is not black, then you don't have equity, right? Because 13.6% of America is black. But what if you have more than 13.6% black leadership in your company. Would you then fire them for being black? (laughs) Of course not, because liberals always have a double standard. Did you see these authors here, by the way, virtue signal themselves with their reference to Coachella part 17? I, I I had to even look that one up myself. I didn't catch that one. But they virtue signaled to you that they knew what was going on, right? It was a model 
that held a sign that said Black Lives Matter on it, this model, in the middle of a demonstration. She did it in front of a photographer, or she had her own photographer, so she could be seen as a good person and getting the publicity from it because she was holding up Black Lives Matter in the middle of the, of the demonstration. Oh, and by the way, NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick was not banned for peacefully protesting. He was actually not even banned at all. He kept kneeling during the national anthem. And because this was wildly unpopular uh, among NFL teams, uh, they didn't want anything to do with him. They didn't want him on their team because it would cost them a lot of money to do so. He was able to protest, yes, because he's an American, he's able to protest, but he paid the consequences with his employer, and that is okay too. In the context of anti-racism, shallow support like this is called optical allyship. More or more broadly, it is one flavor of virtue signaling. Since this term was coined in 2015, People have used it to shame others for moral grandstanding, advertising their moral positions with, uh, for, for the purpose of self-promotion. This sort of virtue signaling seems like selfishness, covered in a thin shell of goodness, a way to score social points rather than, do, than by doing the work of real reform. In one set of studies, Ryan Carlson found that people judge selfishly motived moral gestures more harshly than doing nothing at all. Well, (laughs) I would say it depends on who you're talking about. I mean, according to Ibram X. Kendi, if you are not actively anti-racist, then you are racist. This kind of thinking has only encouraged others to virtue signal themselves with Memes like, silence is violence, and things like that, right? But to their point here, most corporations virtue signal because they believe that they can try to win over the left, and even if they offend the right a little, well, the right will still buy their products anyway, right? So it's a win-win. You know, this has actually backfired in recent times, though, on companies like, like Bud Light and Disney and Ulta. The, the other question here, though, is what is real reform anyway? I mean, that's what they keep talking about. You know, you're virtue signaling unless you work for real reform. What does real reform look like? And is real reform just a bunch of liberal ideas? Well, they go on to say it's critical. That's what they said. It's critical to question people whose mo- most radical act is temporarily changing their profile picture. It's critical they follow their words with actions. The time for talk has passed, but focusing solely on virtue signalers obscures their most important role. Like radio waves, the signals they send are received by someone, and those receivers matter too. All right, here is where these two authors try to speak out of both sides of their face. They say that it is critical, as they put it, to question people and and as to how hard they're fighting for liberal causes. 
Time to talk about liberal causes is over, they say. But then in the same paragraph, it literally is in the same paragraph, they say that by virtue signaling with the changing of, of our profile picture makes a difference. Which is it? Does virtue signaling matter or doesn't it? Well, they say two keys, uh, two key insights about social behavior are relevant here, they say. First, people conform to others' actions and opinions. They often say that others say and do as others do. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that is actually biblical, believe it or not. The Bible says that people are like sheep. And they continue by saying, second, when it comes to many issues, most people don't know what most people think, meaning that conformity involves a surprising amount of guesswork. Imagine a hundred individuals in a pitch black gym, each trying to join the rest of the crowd in a chaotic uh, multiplayer game of Marco Polo. People will gravitate towards whoever they hear, clumping around the loudest voices. Opinions can work, th- uh, can, can work this way. When a particular viewpoint gets a lot of attention, people assume it's popular and shift towards it. We receive signals and are changed by them. This really gets to the heart of their argument. That, that virtue signaling is, is good and needed. They believe that since many people don't even know what they believe on many topics and issues, let alone why they believe it, they just look at others to tell them what to believe. We are so comfortable in our isolated bubbles that many don't care what goes on around them, even when things affect them negatively. And on this point, you know what? It may surprise you to know that I tend to agree with them. They say this means social information can be powerful, a powerful force for social change because people look to each other when deciding how to express themselves. For example, Chris Crandall, and colleagues surveyed people to find out how socially acceptable they thought it was to be prejudiced against a variety of of groups, ranging from child molesters to librarians. They also asked respondents to report their personal attitudes towards these groups. The two ratings were almost perfectly correlated. People reported as much prejudice as they believed was socially acceptable. Yeah, we see this demonstrated in, in our current views about transgender, don't we? I mean, since society is making transgenderism a, a trendy thing, we now see more and more people choosing that lifestyle. And that's that's what we see. And they go on to say, as social norms shift, individuals shift with them. Adopting popular opinions and behaviors and dropping ones that fall out of style, norms are especially powerful as they gain steam. In one set of studies, Greg Sparkman and Greg Walton pre- uh, presented diners in a cafeteria with evidence that 30% of the U.S. population was vegetarian. Or they presented them that 30% of the population was newly vegetarian. People who learned about the newly vegetarian group that the that dynamic that social norm were twice as likely to order a meatless lunch themselves 
they saw not just where the crowd was, but where it was going. And they didn't want to be left behind. Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of the, well, all the cool kids are doing it type of type of thing, right? They say conformity can seem spineless. But in fact, it, it reflects an ancient yearning to be part of something greater than ourselves. A, a smart yearning, given the, the many social advantages of corp, uh, uh, cooperating and uh, coordinating with others. It goes deeper than words, sometimes changing what we see, what we value, and how we behave, even privately. And no matter what we think of this, we are and will always be a herd species, more prone to move together than alone. Social norms will continue to change, and we will change with them. But I would say that, why is this a good thing? Now, that's the question I would ask here. Just because it's the way it's always been done doesn't mean that it's right. Just because someone else is doing it does not make it moral. There, are, there is a, a list a mile long of things that that societies thought were a good thing and then turned out to be a terrible thing. But they say this clarifies why signaling is so important. Not every person tweeting their support of a righteous cause will follow through. But no matter their motives, when many people speak out, their voices have a powerful effect on receivers. The last few weeks have made it clear that anyone opposed to racial justice is indeed in the minority. I would not agree with that. but And that people who believe Black Lives Matter have plenty of company. Collective outrage has become a social norm. Coupled with the leadership of local organizers, it has yielded a phenomenal groundswell of action. Okay, again I ask, why is social pressure and manipulating people to think alike a good thing? It it kind of reminds me of a, of a sports team that wins championships constantly, right? They 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 always have a, a large fan base. And and why is that? Because people love to root for a winner. Uh, there are very few people that will wear the jersey in, in public, especially of a team that has not won for decades, let's say. But just because this is a, a thing doesn't mean that the winning team with all the fans is a team worth rooting for. I mean, they have they may have players that are, you know, they, they have terrible character, but they they are good at the sport that they play. Well, they go on to say that signaling and conformity are not inherently positive. In 2016, the U.S. elected a president whose campaign was jammed with racist talking points. Prejudice subsequently increased specifically towards groups he targeted, e.g. Muslims and immigrants. Months later, white supremacists took to the streets in Charlottesville, Virginia. As the author and former Congressman Bakari uh, Settlers put it, the shocking thing was not that they marched, but they did so without white hoods, unafraid to show their faces. They had deceived a they had received a signal that their opinions were more popular than they had realized, and they felt comfortable with expressing their prejudice. <laughs> you know, 
this is a hot pile of dog excrement. <laughs> as, as, as harsh as I can put it on the podcast here. The U.S. president that they can't seem to name or speak his name, of course, is, is Trump. And he definitely did not jam his campaign full of racist talking points. You know, to them, they... they 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 say that others did a thing like march in the streets because of him it is it, so far from reality i really feel sorry for these two these two authors they're so far out of touch with reality i mean using this logic those like like these two that support the blm riots are responsible for those who boarded up police stations and tried to burn them down with the the, the police officers trapped inside I mean, what do you think? Do you think that these two professors will hold themselves accountable for that? Of course they won't. They say the, different, uh, the difference today is that the signal we are sending and receiving actually is virtuous. A demand to acknowledge and redress centuries-old inequities and violence. People are publicly demanding justice and declaring that Black Lives Matter. We can and should use their signals as anchors, holding them accountable for acting accordingly. But we should also realize the power signals have in and of our, themselves in helping people locate each other, in this case, on the path to change. Ah, isn't that a great way to end that? It is always interesting to me how blind leftists are to their own hypocrisies. Intellectually honest conservatives are usually concerned with how their positions on things match up, right? Not leftists. Did you hear what they said here? What they accused Trump of, even though it wasn't true, is the same thing that that, that we are doing. And the, the, the difference is that what we are doing is virtuous, they say. Virtuous? I mean, who is the arbiter of what is virtuous and what is not? To a liberal, it is rules for thee, but not for me. And speaking of virtuous, from LBF Church, LBF.Church, the term virtue signaling refers to the idea of saying or doing something in order to let other people know that I am on the right side of an issue. In other words, I signal my virtue to others. I signal to them that I care about poor people, that I don't drink too much, that I care about the environment, or that I support our troops. In other words, I virtue signal when I make uh, when I make sure that other people know how virtuous I am. In the end, virtue signaling is a form of self-justification. It is a way of showing why we are good and worthy people. I am good because I care about the gender wage gap. I am good because I care about the problem of racism. I am good because I care about unborn babies. I am good because I didn't vote for dot, 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 if you fill in the blank. We signal our virtue often at the expense of others, and we want to make sure that others know that we aren't like those racists, the, those yuppies, those terrorists, or those baby killers. We don't actually want to do anything to help those causes. 
but we want to make sure that it is known that we are better than those other people. Well, in Luke 18, 19, or 9 through 14, Luke 18, 9 through 14, Jesus gave a parable that, in essence, is about virtue signaling. It is often called the parable of the Pharisees and the tax collector. The, the parable is introduced in verse 9 in this way. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. This parable is the antidote for virtue signaling. Jesus tells a parable in order to rebuke those who justify themselves at the expense of others. So you see, in verse 10, the parable itself begins. And it says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Well, as you may know, Pharisees were the, the most stringently moral and religious members of the Jewish community and, uh, uh, there in the, in the first century. Tax collectors, on the other hand, were, were Jews who, who betrayed their nation in order to saddle up to the Romans. Tax collectors got rich by price gouging their, their, their fellow Israelites. They were definitely despised. And Jesus then describes the prayer of each man. In verse 11 and 12, he says, The Pharisees stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. You see, the Pharisee's prayer doesn't really seem concerned with God as, as an audience. E either he is you know, satisfied with being his own audience, or he is seeking to catch the ears of others in the temple. He prays, uh, about his own goodness, uh, especially in comparison to others. He thanks God that he is not like the immoral people around him, including the tax collector who is also praying in the same temple. He justifies himself by his good works, fasting and tithing, right? And by the fact that he is not, not bad like, like all the others. While we, can, while we may not pray in, in a way that thanks God, that, that we aren't like other men. But, but I can't help but notice how many social media posts seem to reflect this same construction. And we thank God that we are not like the atheists, or we're not like the racists, not like the uncaring conservatives or the unthinking liberals. We thank God that we are woke, um, enlightened, um, compassionate. We change our profile pictures for holidays or in response to tragedies. Either we are fooling ourselves or we are desperately seeking to demonstrate to others that we are virtuous in our care for school shooting victims or soldiers or immigrants. After all, our care is evident by the fact that we clicked and posted something. The, the prayer of the tax collector, a sharp contrast from the Pharisee's prayer, is Recorded in verse 13, it says, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. It says, But beat his, his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, the tax collector's audience was, was, was not himself. He did not see any path toward justification. In his desperation, he cried out to God to justify him. And he didn't, did so anonymously in, in a corner while beating his breast. 
Jesus ended the parable with the idea of justification. Verse 14 says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Our only hope for justification is for God to justify us. The path to this is humility. We thwart this when we elevate ourselves at the expense of others. Perhaps you've you've never used the term virtue signaling. Perhaps you never will. Regardless, this term reflects a timeless human instinct to seek self-justification by looking down our noses at others. Jesus warns us to, to beware. When we exalt others, when, when we signal our virtue to others, we undercut the, our opportunity for God to be the one to exalt us. You see, virtue signaling is not a good thing, no matter who is doing it. I mean, if, if there is an issue that is worthy of our time and attention, then do something about it. I often have to check myself and, and, and ask, is, is what I'm wanting to do or wanting to say here really going to make a difference? Or is it just going to make me feel better? If it's not going to do anything good other than just simply make me feel better, well, then I'm probably virtue signaling, right? And so that may, that may be something that you may want to look into and you may want to even talk about. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.